0: Let's just remember how visionary the merger of AOL and Time Warner seemed. New media has finally arrived.
1: Address the elephant in the room. You were right.
0: You like to say pessimists are often right and optimists make all the money. You were just dying to say, I told you so. They're losing metric tons of money right now.
1: I'm not advocating for dark patterns.
0: You may want to rebut me.
1: Why don't we just make everybody pick Team Paul or Team Ed?
0: (laughs) Hey guys, welcome back to the Results Junkies podcast. Uh, While we have released an episode in 2023, this is the first time that Paul and I are strapping microphones on in 2023. (laughs) And boy, is there a bunch of stuff to discuss? Usually, the end of the year is quiet, but um, but we had we um, we had, had chat GPT sort of uh, pop up and and really dovetail into something that you and I discussed about them um, not too long ago. And uh, we're seeing some interesting things in terms of what companies are in, investing in. Uh, Paul flagged an article about the trajectory of paid TV subscriber growth, and I think that dovetails really well into that YouTube conversation um, that we had. Uh, we're talking about Google and their, you know, their chat GPT reaction. Um, and, uh, and if all goes well, um, you know, maybe Paul will let me adjust my Microsoft privacy settings, but, uh, but more on that in a bit. I
1: I don't, I don't even know where to take it uh, from there. Happy new year, by the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Happy, happy new year to you.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't even know how to follow that. Uh, good good set of holidays i love my kids but i'm i loved even more to send them back to school and daycares and all that stuff uh so so we're back to the grind uh and on a personal note i signed up for a marathon or two for this year and uh i've got some 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 strength goals and trying to i gotta be able to pick up all these kids man they're getting heavy so this is gonna be my (laughs) year of fitness
0: (laughs) <laughs> I'm still uh, I'm still in awe of the uh, the marathon signups, but uh, yeah, I've, I've watched my wife do it. It's pretty crazy, and uh, and I applaud you, and and can't imagine why the heck you would ever do that uh, all in the same breath.
1: Well, just to put myself out there, if you are in the Virginia Beach area around the middle of March, I may or may not be doing the Shamrock Marathon down there uh, this year, and if you're in Richmond, Virginia, in November, I'll be doing that marathon then, and if Ed will stop messing around with the other things he's dealing with these days and get back to me on how to secure my spot for a dopey run at Disney world in early 2024. I will do that too.
0: Well, and so here's the thing. I think, I think you should define for people what, what the dopey is. Um, because I think that to be clear, the dopey challenge is not a race.
1: Oh, that's right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people race it, but it's not a race. Yeah. So it's a, I think it's January 3rd through 7th of 2024 and it's a 5k on a Thursday morning, a 10k on a Friday morning, a half marathon on Saturday morning and a full marathon on Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, this is insane. Well, a friend of mine just finished the, uh, finished the dopey. So, um, it, it, it has been done before. It has been done by, by multiple people, but y'all are crazy.
1: Or, or we are, uh, enthusiastic about our fitness. And as we're going to talk about later in this episode, and this is the rise of the copywriters. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Anyway, let me know how to. Like,
0: both of those things can be true. Just, just going out <laughs> there saying both of those things can be true. Uh, that's
1: fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right, man. We got a lot to cover here.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about Let's talk about ChatGPT first, because um, I think that that's a, a, a good quick hit for us, just in terms of when we talked about this last week uh, or two weeks ago. You know, we had talked about the fact that. Um, yeah, the chat gPT was was causing some concern for Google and you know how should they react. And one of the things that we talked about was whether or not uh, Google should step up and buy them. And I think you know, we had talked about Google's free cash flow and all that stuff. and um, you know we surmised where we thought that the the deal might get done. And we had talked about something in the 20 to thirty billion range, and then, lo and behold, Chat GPT announced a tender offer at twenty nine billion. Um, They're only selling a small portion of the company. They're raising $300 million. But, um, but boy, in terms of evaluation, we're like right in the wheelhouse.
1: Okay. What, what the listener can't hear is that I can see your face right now and you were just dying to say, I told you so, because I, as I understand (laughs) it, uh, using price is right rules, your price estimate, which was a little bit closer than mine. So first off, I'll just, I'll just uh, address the elephant in the room. You were right, Ed. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I didn't technically go over with prices right That's rules. That's right. Yeah, you know. I
1: came in a little bit lower. I think in the low twenties or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you you sort of nailed it right there. So yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, this is wild, though, right? Uh, Google is faced with this prospect of they they're not the company's not for sale, but we also can't afford to not look at it or or have an inside track on it. So they're
0: having to invest. I still wonder. I still wonder if it's not for sale. I mean, you know, like I mean, because this is the age old story, and you and I have asked this question of founders are in front of us frequently it's like okay you set a valuation of x for your company would you sell it for that today and so many of them are like well no no i wouldn't like well okay well then is your valuation right so you know like if you wouldn't sell it for uh if you wouldn't sell it for that today then then obviously it's a little bit more art than science uh when it comes to determining your valuation
1: i think everything is for sale i, I think the you know if if it, let me just preface this by saying that, obviously, I, I've never run a publicly traded company before, but if you think about the pressures they face, yeah, look, everything's for sale. I mean, if if the startup fundraising valuation's at 29000000000 billion, they're probably not going to sell it for that. But, you know, could you offer 2x, 3x? Sure. But as a publicly traded company, you also have to think about the optics as we head into a recession or we're in a recession or whatever you think we are right now um it's 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 it would be a tough sell i think to investors today at least public market investors today for google to be dumping a lot of cash into what the mainstream investor might not understand
0: yeah I mean, this kind of goes back to Adobe acquiring Canva for 20 yeah. billion in a combination of, you know, cash and stock of, you know, like what you know, were they worth that at that time? And a lot of people now are saying, you know, oh my gosh, you know, Canva's not worth that much anymore. And Adobe's prices come down, and all that. But to your point, you know, you're building in some sort of upside for investors when you're buying this this asset. You know, what's the long-term growth look like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I like I, I think it's it would be unfair to think that Google hasn't been doing research on this. I mean, I think. They've probably got large teams. I think I vaguely recall them working on something called Lambda and a couple other things, which were their own versions um, of advanced search algorithms and stuff like that. So they clearly have the infrastructure and the people already working on it. Chat GPT just sort of took everybody by surprise, you know and and I think Google's kind of kind of launching off their back foot now to make sure they have a seat at the table. So we'll kind of see where it goes. but you know, for anybody watching this stuff, I think this is, this is uh, it, it's sort of interesting to watch how this stuff works. I mean, I think for founders listening to this, it sort of reminds you that your valuation, whether you're getting bought or whether you're getting invested in, your valuation tends to be a function of the growth rate, not the underlying fundamentals. And that that's a very nuanced statement because, you know, for a lot of companies, that's not how they really work and nor should they have to. But if you're playing that venture game and you are really optimizing for those valuations for better or for worse, uh, it's all about growth rate, you know, at all costs sometimes. So um, I think there's yeah. going to be a lot to learn on this. And, and I, I, think, I think 2023, we're going to hear a lot about GPT as a whole, not only chat GPT, but just GPT as a whole. I think it's going to become uh, almost maybe not mainstream by the end of the year, but I think that it's going to get mentioned a lot everywhere.
0: I think it's, it's also important to note that in, in a lot of cases, you know, valuation is a, is, is a, is at least partially based on how much of the company you're trying to peel off at any one time or how much money you're trying to raise. Like there are a number of factors that go into figuring it out. It's, you know, some of that is formulaic in terms of how companies raise, but, you know, but it's also about a moment in time and, and what, what's going on. And uh, as you say, like everybody knows what ChatGPT is right now. Um, it, well, everybody knows the term whether everybody knows what it is and how it works and all that stuff, I think is a, is a obviously a much different question, but it also um, sort of loops back to something you and I talked about a long time ago. We talked on the show at one point. um, I, you know, I, I, I didn't remember the numbers, but I rattled off that micros, which was one of the largest uh, point of sale providers in the restaurant and hotel space, how their research and development budget was larger than the number two point of sale providers, total gross revenue. And, you know, there is this thing, as you say, like Google is launching off their back foot right now. It's this you know, aircraft carrier approach or like how long does it take for Google to turn the aircraft carrier when you know, chat GPT is like a little like helicopter. But I think nobody else would debate that while Google is playing from behind at this point, they obviously have um, not unlimited resources, but resources that in theory, if they can figure out the right path forward, they should be able to accelerate past chat GPT. The question is, can they get directionally accurate? And I think that's the the challenge that we're going to see over the next 12 to 24 months, especially because at least at this point um, and specifically with chat GPT, but also in all this space, like there isn't really anybody who's cracked the monetization code here, Like Google's still the king of search. And it's not like people are paying, um, you know, chat GPT from what I've heard, you know, they're losing metric tons of money right now on compute. So, so there's still, you know, we're still not at the winners and losers phase here.
1: Not to hit you out of left field on this thing, but I, I sort of just had a, um, you know, you know, when you remember something, all of a sudden a brain fart. I don't know what you call it. But anyway, I just remembered the, the, the other reason why this investment uh, from Google is is important. And that is that this is not OpenAI's first investment round. Microsoft actually put a billion dollars into this thing in 2019. So something to just think about is that, like, just a couple of days ago, Microsoft's already talking about Bing being powered by ChatGPT. So, so it sort of kind of makes a little bit more sense why Google... You know, is, is is sort of playing catch up here. But again, sorry to, I didn't mean to hit you off left field there. I, it, just as you were saying that, I was like, wait, this is not the first round, and I went to go look it up. So, uh, th- doesn't change anything you're saying though. I think it's going to be interesting to see where this where this goes.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I think you know, I mean, we've got, we're, I mean, I don't even think we're at like the end of the first inning, if you will. It is a you know very early in what this what this game is going to look like. But clearly, Microsoft has their hands in a number of things. Oddly, a, a really a really good segue to asking you if, if you figured out how to <laughs> yeah. update my privacy settings yet.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, why don't you set this up? Because you you texted me a couple photos of your laptop a couple days ago, and I just couldn't help but chuckle. And uh, why don't you set it up, and then I'll, I'll tell
0: yeah, you what yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, for what it's worth, uh, you know, it's like uh, I wish we were a video podcast because I put them up with the screen right now, but uh, but I don't usually play in the Windows world. We're a Mac shop, and not, not trying to just um you know just beat. Microsoft over the head, but it's just interesting how different the philosophies are. Like we talked about Apple and privacy and ask app not to track extensively on the show in 2022. And then I get this new Microsoft laptop and it's really interesting in that, um, you know, they, they give you this option of, of uh, tr- having yourself tracked or not. And the, the interesting thing about it is, is it says things like with your permission, we'll collect and use your browsing activity um, to, do a bunch of things, you know, we're going to make your Microsoft experience more useful to you was one of the, the the taglines here. And the interesting thing about with your permission is like this comes up on a screen on the, the machine and it comes up in Windows when you boot up Windows the first time. And then it also came up for me when I when I opened up Edge, which is their uh, newest browser. Um, and in both cases, the radio, bo- the checkbox for where you give permission is already pre-checked and you cannot uncheck it. And there's a line that says before. Learn how you, if you want to turn this off, learn where you can turn it off. And by the way, I gave up looking after 15 minutes. It's not where they say it is. And so the the laptop is designed to collect all of your data. And you know clearly Microsoft sees that as a, as a feature, um, you know, not a bug. Um, and they make it incredibly difficult to shut it off. Not even a box on the screen to turn it off. Um, it's you've got to go hunt it down elsewhere in the setting, which makes you even wonder why even bother putting a check mark on the screen if you can't use it for anything. That was my interesting experience with uh, with the world of Microsoft recently.
1: Just from the, and I, so to be fair, I think the last Windows machine I've had was 15 plus years ago, so I'm woefully out of date here. But that being said though, you, you know, just looking at how both companies write their copy, I, you can kind of get a look inside of their psychology. Apple in a broad sense seems to say ask not to track, like they're all about your privacy. And the flip side of that is, is they really want you to trust Apple so much that you only use Apple products, Apple everything. Um, and, And it's gonna pave the way for the Apple ad network, I'm sure. And and Microsoft on the other side is, is is saying, hey, let us personalize. I think that was the key word that, when in those screenshots you sent me, the word that kept coming back was like, personalize for you, personalize your experience. And, and Microsoft's basically saying like, let us just keep an eye, look at what you're doing and we'll make your device more useful to you. Um, and so I kind of half jokingly, half seriously say, you know, it's interesting to see the rise of the copywriters. You know, <laughs> copywriting <laughs> used to be sort of the... The thing that those marketers over there do, and now uh, particularly amongst consumer companies, and I guess maybe B2B as well, you're starting to see copywriting really take a front and center stage now. And I don't know why that is. Maybe that's because like consumers or users are getting smarter and need to be, I don't know, uh, written to a different way. I'm not sure why, but it definitely seems like a lot of companies are being much more thoughtful about copy and conversions first rather than, you know thinking of it as an afterthought. So anyway, I'm not sure where to go with this other than just watching. I, I I don't know where to go with this personally, other than to say, like, the lessons learned here should be applicable to almost anybody else. So when you think about, I don't know, I mean, I come back to like, even your restaurants and stuff like that, I think there's probably some sort of interesting UX sort of lessons that could be learned in terms of how do you make your receipts uh, more engaging for, you know, in order to get an email, I, I don't know for sure, like exactly what I'm talking about here. But I, I guess what I'm just saying is there are probably some lessons that can be applicable to other businesses if if you're looking for that sort of thing,
0: yeah, and I think you know the way I would summarize this too is is just um you know with like like well, I guess two things first, I would say like if I hopped' up on, on my soapbox, um I would say at a high level, I just think it's Somewhere in between irresponsible and disgusting to have um, literally no way for a user to uncheck these boxes on a screen. Like, I just think it's, you know, I, I have no idea why they would choose to go this route. I think it's just like some absurd level of arrogant of, you know, we, we know better.
1: Well, that's a dark, it's a dark pattern too, right? That, yeah. that, that's mm-hmm. a horrible dark pattern right there.
0: Yeah, like, I think back to my BlackBerry days, like, one of the things I loved about BlackBerry was, like, you could customize the device you way you wanted. It was heavily encrypted. Um, you know, like, it, it it was built for privacy and governments. And so, like, you know, like, that's, this is definitely a sea change from that. Um, you know, and I don't think I really understood how, um, how Microsoft and, you know, Windows boxes were set up in this fashion, because, like you, I haven't had uh, a dedicated Windows box in quite some time. I have an old Windows machine that we've used for uh, updating some old software that we can't seem to do in uh, another way. Virtual machines like uh, VMware Fusion just don't seem to want to work exactly right for this use. So I had to have an actual Windows laptop. Um, but I think the other side too is that like, you know, Microsoft an incredibly successful company. Um, whether this strategy is going to be successful or not, I would say, I think it's as significant a thought process as ask app not to track, i.e. you're being very bold with how you want privacy to work on your devices. You have very strong feelings about it as a company, you're exercising those. And so like, I think it's interesting to see the stark uh, comparisons between this and Apple's approach. And I I guess it's, Entirely possible that this will continue to not be a zero sum world, and that both can survive and thrive with their, you know, with their strategies. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over time.
1: Even though I'm not very articulate today, I suppose I, I just stand by my idea that there's even if these these topics we're talking about don't directly apply to somebody, even if it seems that way, I think the the, the hope by I, I what I hope is that people sort of recognize that a lot of these. Um, decisions they're making the way they're writing the way they're putting these things you know again not advocating for their dark patterns but i think there's just lessons to be learned here and i think that there's a lot of ways that a lot of these ideas can be applied whether again whether you run a restaurant or you run a bar or you run a b2b SaaS company um there's just a lot of parallels there and there's a lot of ways to learn and you know just sort of pick and choose what might work for you i the the more blunt way i put it is that Back in school, plagiarism was frowned upon uh, for obvious reasons. But in business, I think it's perfectly acceptable. I think it's really the starting point. Like if you're going to start a consumer star- uh, website, go look at what the top converting or you know the top website is. Use that as a starting point. You know, B two B, use that. You know, and so I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not advocating for dark patterns. I'm just saying there's there's uh <laughs> there's a lot of lessons here that are applicable. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's a, probably a good a good place to segue to um you know, to this, the article that you noted that we'll include in the show notes about paid TV subscriptions. And I think when we talk about strategies, I thought, you know, like I, I keep an eye on the paid subscription models of a lot of these companies. Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. Um, and you and I are both subscribers to a number of those. Paramount Plus is another one, HBO, like there's a, a massive number of these out there. But you know, you you I think the thing that the article framed up for me that I hadn't really considered was that there is the possibility that these bets won't pay off at some point. And I thought that that was interesting because I I think back to when Disney Plus launched and I remember just thinking like how revolutionary it was because there's all this stuff that we never used to be able to watch and all this Disney content and stuff out of the vault and blah, blah, blah and we signed up for it. But you fast forward to call it three-ish years later after they've launched and they're losing massive amounts of money larger than they expected and that was sort of like you know, part of why Chappick got ousted and Bob Iger was asked to come back in. But I think the article, when it shows how much paid TV subscription is off and the fact that we are in some sort of financial uh, crisis, whether that's a recession or just high inflation, hard to say. But it clearly, you know, the economy is not as thriving as it was, um, you know, a year ago. And, and, and these sorts of things are easy things for consumers to click off. And, you know, all of these platforms are built to have scale just based on the massive amounts of money that they're paying for content. You know, you mentioned how the NFL game where DeMar Hamlin was injured was you know, one of the most broad, watched broadcasts ever. Live sports is is a huge piece of this puzzle. Uh, but I never really considered until I read this article that the fact that these BMS might ultimately not survive. And I, I feel a little silly about that because, you know, like you and I both watch Blockbuster die. Um, so why wouldn't? Some, why wouldn't there be massive losers amongst these streaming companies
1: okay i I will let me just first say I'm actually surprised you're go, you I don't, I'm trying to be nice to you, Ed. I am surprised that you would even go down this angle because here's the thing. if we look at the past few recessions well I've, I'm only forty one so I've only been around for two recessions. but for those two recessions, um, you know, look, rationally speaking, entertainment and vice should be the first thing that the consumer cuts when you know they're running low on cash Yep, that's not what the data said if you go back and look at what happened in 2000 and 2008 maybe 2000 is a bad example because it was mostly limited to tech but if you look at like the 2008 crash uh, you know alcohol sales went up uh you know um like anything that you thought was vice or entertainment didn't actually fall um it was sort of everything else which was sort of counterintuitive and even when covid when the lockdowns happened again maybe this is not um, you know uh, a good sample set like you know netflix and all these online services skyrocketed and i guess what i would just say though is, is that i think all these streaming services are playing a land grab because entertainment services like this even when somebody like loses their job i mean we can argue up and down all day long that people should cancel their youtube premium they should cancel their netflix they should cancel their hulu but I don't think they're going to do that. I think that, you know, if that's like that one set of jo- little bit of joy you have left, or the one thing that you can still kind of like click on after work and decompress, that's that's the thing that you're going to stick with. Um, everything else will go. Like the Birchbox subscription is going to go, the Stitch Fix subscription is going to go, the Uber Eats and DoorDash you're going to kill. But you still got to laugh, <laughs> no matter how hard it is. Um, <laughs> so I think. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. I, I, I'm. I, It'll. I wonder if one of these streaming services will eventually buy one of the cell phone carriers. I, I think that's where this is going to go. I, I think that, you know, like look at look at what's happened now. In order for you to watch like live sports, used to be the thing that kept uh, over the air TV uh, afloat. I, I don't even have antennas on my house anymore. I don't think you do either. And if I go on a walk around my neighborhood now, I see all these. Uh, Old satellite dishes, dish TV, all this stuff, but you can see the wires are cut on it. And for better or for worse, I see kids in my neighborhood coming off the bus stop, like streaming Hulu as they're sort of wandering down the street. And so I don't know. I think, I think, I don't think there's like a a bear case here. I I think this is a power, this is the power law working itself out now. The question I think now is, is which of the, uh, you know, online streaming, aggregators, if you will, will roll up as many of these online channels or, or, um, uh, what do you call it? Sources. And, and that's ultimately where all the eyeballs are going to go. Like if, uh, let me say it a different way. If we had like kind of gone back in time to when Disney bought, for example, ESPN and all that stuff, we'd probably be like, what in the world? You know, why, how does that even work? (laughs) How does Mickey play into this? (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but looking back, you know, as a fly on the wall and, you know, uh, as a, you know, dude with a little man crush on Bob Iger here, I guess, you know, you can kind of see it play out. Y- you know, he's got the co- Disney Plus gives you the content to keep your kids glued if you need it. You got the ESPN stuff on there. You got all these other things on there. And now the bigger question is, is like of the YouTubes, of the, well, I guess of the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Disney's. Who tries to go buy T-Mobile or or AT and T or one of these? I mean, we could argue maybe that's a bad idea, but it, like here's the th- I guess here's the here's the summary of all this. As this power law thing plays itself out, it's going to eventually become a distribution game. So like just to tie this back to that other discussion topic to make the point, Microsoft did invest a billion dollars in in Chat GPT a couple years ago, but the argument could be made that regardless of how much money they put into it, Google still has the primary distribution capability. In other words, there's more Chrome OS browsers that have Google as the default search than there are Bing browsers with Bing as the first, you know, default search. Yeah. So in this case, like, you know, you've got uh, Google with their Android operating system running across a bunch of different carriers. You've got Netflix and all these other folks that don't have any hardware, but in theory if they really wanted to make an end run here, maybe buying the cell phone carrier, like they're not going to be able to buy Apple. That's just not going to happen. But, you know, I think there's going to be some interesting plays over the next couple of years to figure out. Okay, here's my speculation in one sentence, and then we'll look back at this in a couple months. We've already seen that B2B companies are trying to embrace the media company uh, strategy in 2022. The Hustle bought, I'm sorry, uh, HubSpot bought The Hustle, a bunch of different, you know, uh, big publicly traded uh, B2B companies have, have built or bought media networks in order to own the distribution um, because software margins are much higher. Is it crazy to think that the same thing's going to happen here? You know, that one of these streaming services, as they roll up all these different content sources is eventually going to say, okay, we've also got to corner of the market on distribution and let's make a play for one of these carriers. I don't know, but I'll, I'll put that out there and, and maybe we look back at this in six or 12 months and see if I was right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, a couple of things. So, uh, first, I, I looked it up while you were talking because uh, I was curious. Netflix actually has more cash on hand than uh, many of the, the big three wireless carriers. And in fact, directionally speaking, they have about $6 billion in cash on hand and um, each of the three big carriers has about uh, $2 billion cash on hand. So, they have as much cash on hand as the three big uh, cell phone companies combined. Not that that's any sort of indication that, you know, that the that, 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 that purchase in the making, but uh, you bring up a good point, And I think I'd bring it back to, you know, you talked about history. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, have lived through the same recessions you have. I also lived through a period of time. I was just getting in the hotel industry when, you know, things were you know bad in the early nineties and the sort of a housing crisis and stuff like that. And. To your point, um, alcohol sales may not necessarily have gone down, but I think what we saw was you know, back in the 90s, Absolute was like the only premium vodka that existed in the free world. And what we saw in our hotels was that Absolute sales plummeted, but Well Vodka sales went up and usually went up more than Absolute did. And so we just had to make sure our profit margins were better on the Well Vodka than, than they were on the Absolute so we could um, recession-proof ourselves. You know, we think about history. I mean, I'm sure you'll remember this. Netflix didn't start as a streaming company. You know, Mm -hmm. they started out as a company that mailed DVDs to people. And for folks that are younger than you, somebody's looking at us now going, wait, what? What did they do? Um, But, you know, I mean, they 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 looked at Blockbuster's model and said we can do it better by not having physical stores and by mailing DVDs to people. And then at some point they pivoted and said we need to break our model and and create ourselves, recreate ourselves. And I think that's the, yeah, I think that's the true mark of companies that succeed long term is that they're not afraid to break the model entirely and become something new when they see the market shifting and to try and get out in front of it. And this sort of goes to you know like people are saying that that this is in theory what Zuckerberg is doing with um, Meta. That he's, you know, he's willing to to put so much cash into Meta, um, you know, when when he sees the market shifting. And to your point, you know, right now with where we are with these different companies, I I still think, I by the way, I still think there are going to be winners and losers, and I still think they're going to be catastrophic lo- losers just based on where some of these numbers are adding up right now. I don't disagree with you that 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 subscription services will be the last to go. I do think there'll be some trade downing, trading down, and I think that means if you subscribe to four streaming services uh streaming services now you may subscribe to two in six months or one and you won't go to zero but you probably won't have as many as you do and given the long-term commitment that they have for costs for content um you know that could result in some pinch points which in theory makes the stronger the strongest of the bunch even stronger if they can eliminate some of this competition and or to your point buy a cell phone company or something else to change the model again
1: yeah You know, not to take us off topic, but let me just kind of come around full circle here for just a second. So a little bit of trivia out of left field. CVS, that retail pharmacy that's just around the corner from almost every house in this country, who owns it? Do you know?
0: I I can't say I know off the top of my head now.
1: And don't feel bad. Most people don't know this. Aetna, the healthcare insurance payer, owns it. And they bought it a couple of years ago. Um, You know, Aetna is one of the largest insurance payers in the country. And they're just about as large as they could get. And rather than go head to head with the other payers to get even more lives covered, they decided to use their cash on hand to go buy a huge retail footprint. So, you know, in in a similar vein, when you think about Shopify, Shopify has got like a public market value, let's call it $50 billion plus or minus right now. Um, On the flip side, if you look at Macy's or Nordstrom or any of these big box, you know, big retail stores, their market cap is like two to three billion dollars now. My, the point I'm just trying to make is, is that tech-enabled large businesses have such great margins that you know they're gobbling up these retail and sort of brick and mortar and what we would call infrastructure, you know, uh, uh, adjacent. Uh, things to kind of get more land grab, more more market share, that sort of thing. And I know I'm not being articulate here just for the sake of time, but I'm sort of coming back to this. Like, look, of the players, Disney, Hulu, and Netflix, I might be mistaken here, but Disney's got a track record of going to peers or adjacent companies and saying, I would like to buy you. So Disney and Pixar, I mean, who saw that coming? Right. In hindsight, everybody could say that was coming. But like, they got it done, you know. And to put it out there, like n- you know, I was not a Disney guy. Now I'm in the Disney phase because I got all these kids, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I'm I'm more than happy, I suppose, to spend my money there. But like, you know, think about the fact that, like, well, I don't want to like make fun of anything, but the point is, though, is that if Disney went out and bought, you know, you can see Disney Plus, right? Whatever it is, fifteen dollars a month, you get ESPN and all of these other things, right? Hulu. Man, yep, if they went know. out and bought. Yeah, if they went out and bought AT&T for example and all of a sudden you had the Disney plus powered phone or something and they just remove the AT&T name entirely like that that would sell. I mean, look at what pe- what look at what Disney people already pay money for. <laughs> you know, it's it's insane and I'm one of those people. I like I admit it, you know, maybe it's your fault, but my point is that from a business standpoint, this is really fascinating to me and and, and also this strategy is not out of reach of most companies. Like, like here's a little teaser, and 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 you know, uh, maybe I'll get in trouble for this later on. But you know, Ed, you know that other deal I'm working on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And if I get that thing done, you know, I think you're going to see a lot. We're going to talk. We're going to probably use that as a as a you know case study for a lot of the things we try or that we talk about here. This idea that a lot of the tactics these big kids and big companies are using, I think are uh directly applicable and usable by bootstrapped companies as well maybe that's a little hint for somebody else listening to this you know uh but but yeah i don't know i i <laughs> just watching watching how oh, all right so let me just end this with another prediction or at least end this part or my ramble with one more prediction we're heading into a recession or maybe we're in a recession i don't know but by the end of this thing there's going to be some consolidation. One of these players is going to make a move because as, you know, all these layoffs are happening, Shopify, or, uh, Salesforce, Amazon, you remember layoffs at FYI, like thousands and thousands of people have got let go. The reality is that like in between jobs, what are people doing? They're probably binging on TV, probably spending a little bit more on alcohol. And that's kind of unfortunate, but it is what it is. And one of these three players, you know, Netflix, Disney, or Hulu is going to make a big move. You know, and and they're probably going to just wait through the recession just to see what happens with all the incumbents. You know, what happens to the carriers, what happens to the competitors, or whatever. And then as we come out to the other side of this, whoever's got the most cash on hand is going to make a big move, uh, and it'll be interesting to watch.
0: <laughs> I'll tie us off this week. You may you may want to you may want to rebut me, but I'll try to tie us off this week with with one thought. As you say all that, and I'm not I'm not discounting anything that you said but I will play devil's advocate for just a minute. Um, if you think back through time when we were talking about, uh, when you are talking about 2000 and the recession, let's just remember how visionary the merger of AOL and Time Warner seemed uh, back, back in 2000. So um, I, I, uh, I tend to think I lean your way, but I, I also remember being told exactly how, uh, I think the fra- catchphrase was is, New media has finally arrived. <laughs>
1: <laughs> perfectly. It's, it's. I can't rebut that. A perfectly <laughs> valid point. I, I won't rebut that. I, maybe this is a good call to action for the audience, though. Like, you know, what why don't we just make everybody pick Team Paul or Team Ed? <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see where it goes. Um, I like it. I like uh, but it. It sort of sums it up, though, right? I'm the optimist and you're the realist. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, you uh, you like to say pessimists are often right, and optimists make all the money. So, uh, so let's let's see where we let's see where we end up. And we did say that we were going to talk about personal goals for 2023, and in true procrastination fashion, we will talk about those next week.
1: Oh, well, that's what you're supposed to do with uh, New Year's res- resolutions. So we're 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 perfectly on track there.
0: We are we are on par.
1: Oh man, all right. So you were in Vegas for a whole week. What's uh what's on the agenda for you this next couple of days?
0: Uh you know, we've got uh, got a big big track meet coming up. Our daughter uh was invited to run in a big uh, statewide invitational down in Virginia Beach. So we're pretty excited to see her go run, hoping for hoping for her to do great. How about you? I love it. Not going anywhere. We are uh
1: uh, Dana is going to take um, uh, one of our kiddos, our uh, our second youngest, down to Disney for two or three days uh, midweek next week. Just I like you know, it. put a little I time like together. It. And one of our personal resolutions this year is that each of us is going to like you know make individual memories with individual kids and make that more of a regular thing. So I'm going to be here uh, wrangling three other kids and uh, you know trying to get some work done in the in the process. So send help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: All right, man. Well, have a great uh, have a great couple of days, and I will talk to you here soon. All right, man.